Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Well, before I get started, I just want to say thank you to all the fathers out there and happy Father's Day. Um, you guys do a lot for us. And before we start, can we just hear it for fathers this morning? Absolutely. I know, I know for me, I certainly don't realize and appreciate fully my dad throughout the years, and I've called a few times and just said thanks and expressed more appreciation this morning as the elders were praying. Uh, one of them even prayed and apologized for the ways that we don't uh, always appreciate our fathers and thank them for the way that they have led us to where we are. Um, we are so excited that you guys are here to worship with us. My name is Will, and I have the honor of serving on staff here. And if you're joining us online, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in and worshiping with us this morning. Um, I am so, so thrilled that you guys are here to worship with us. Uh, if you haven't been around for the last few months, I just want to catch you up briefly on, on some things that have been happening. Last last week, uh, Mark Coffey, who served here for 17 years, retired. And, um, and we were able to appreciate and thank him for all that he's done. And then it even got me thinking more about uh, the, the way that we should appreciate the fathers of our faith as we look throughout scripture and we see the men who have done incredible things and even thinking about our dads and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and how they've been for some of us men of faith who have led us to where we are today it's been absolutely incredible and so again I just want to say thank you uh, throughout the last few months as we've talked through this transition we have used the example of a four by four relay race where there's uh, four members on a team each running a leg of a race and then there's that point in the transition where one runner with the baton is passing it to the other. And as that transition has happened, the runner who is about to receive the baton starts running before the runner actually gets to him. And, and many of you may not realize this fully and completely, um, but that kind of started for us back in January of this year. Back in January, I started slowly running before Mark actually retired and started leading some staff meetings and started started making some administrative decisions behind the scenes and started doing some things to start running before last week, which, which, which was the actual handoff. And so I'm really excited for this week because as a 4x4 race continues, that first few steps as the runner just received the baton and is starting their leg of the race is very, very critical. It's easy to get tangled up. It's easy to fall. It's easy to, to not get a great start right after receiving the baton. So this this week is the beginning of, of my tenure, I guess, here at MCC. And I hope that it's a long one. I hope that I'm here for, for many, many years to come. I had a professor in... Uh, in, in college, though, who told me that every minister should see their time serving as a church as an interim position. Because the reality is that MCC has been here for many, many, many years before Mark. It's going to continue many, many, many years after I'm here, regardless of how long I'm here. Because the church, what God has called us to, gathering the church together, will continue. So this morning, I want to dive into Joshua chapter 1, because over the last few months, we've been looking at this transition between Moses and Joshua. And I want to start uh, running my leg of the race by looking at this transition and how Joshua continued this transition uh, in the beginning part of his book. I can't imagine being in Joshua's shoes because Moses was one of, if not the greatest leader Israel ever had. 
He went before Pharaoh as the Israelites were slaved in Egypt. He was used in powerful ways by God. God did miracles through him, uh, parting the Red Sea. Uh, He led Israel for years in the wilderness as they wandered and grumbled. And uh, he just did so much. He had incredible personal relationship with God. And I can't imagine being in Joshua's shoes and experiencing much of that firsthand and seeing that that relationship that God and Moses, Moses had and now... Joshua has the baton, and it's okay, now it's your turn. Good luck. I can't imagine being in his shoes. And in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, God comes and he speaks directly to Joshua. And he says, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now this almost seems like if it was a movie that the the music would start getting a little louder. Like this is a battle cry. This is where your blood starts pumping a little bit. But that's coming later. This is a personal word that God kind of just pulls Joshua off to the side a little bit first. And he says, hey, Joshua, just be strong. Be courageous. This is a personal word. And Israel might have been eavesdropping. Israel might have been there and heard this. But but God spoke here directly to Joshua. He assumes the role of this leader of, of Israel. He speaks directly to Joshua. He speaks directly to me as I step into this role. And he speaks directly to you in this moment, too. Be strong. Be courageous. I don't know what battle you're facing in your life, but he has a word for you to be strong and courageous. Maybe you're drowning in debt and you're trying to to just survive and get out of debt. Maybe your marriage is going downhill fast and you're trying to fight hard for it. Maybe you're battling cancer or maybe whatever whatever the roadblock is in in your path right now. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord has not forsaken you. The Lord will not leave you. As we continue to look at that, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land. I swore to give their fathers. I swore to their fathers to give them. I made this promise. God says, I've made this promise, and I'm using you to fulfill it. He doesn't say, Joshua, be strong and courageous because you're a great leader. He didn't say, Joshua, be strong and courageous because of your talents, because of your abilities, because of the giftedness that I've given you. He doesn't say, be strong and courageous because of anything that you can do. Be strong and courageous because I'm going to use you in a powerful way. Be strong and courageous because I made this promise to my people and I'm going to fulfill it. So you can be strong and you can be courageous not because of your talents, not because of your abilities, not because you are strong enough to overcome whatever's in your way, but because God is. Because his spirit through you is going to work in marvelous, miraculous, incredible ways. Because his spirit is able to do far more above what we can even begin to imagine. We look often to uh, Romans chapter 8 where he promises this to us also when Paul is speaking to the the church in Romans. He says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He has made this promise to us to work for good and it doesn't matter what is in your way. It's not your responsibility. It's not your promise that he's made. It's God and he is faithful to fulfill the promise that he has made to us. And I know sometimes it's hard to see because sometimes it doesn't always seem good, does it? 
whatever we're facing, whatever we're struggling, whatever we're wrestling with in the moment, it's not always good. But we rest in this promise that God has never broken a promise ever, and he's promised us to work for good in your life, in my life. And we hold tightly to that, that one day when we're out of this tunnel, one day there's a light at the end of this tunnel, one day in the the day and the years to come, he's going to work good. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to see what that looks like in your life and in mine. He promises to do good. And there is another part there as as it continued, for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his promise. In in Joshua chapter 1, he continues to say, to be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, uh, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. There is a responsibility that we have to honor God, right? To obey the commands that he's given us. Parents out there, how many of you would be okay if your kids said, I really love you, I'm just not going to do what you tell me to do. I really love you. I'm not going to clean up my room. I'm not going to do the dishes, but I really love you. I really love you a lot. It doesn't work that way. We love God and we express our love to God in the way that we honor what he has asked us to do. Now let me ask you this question. I want you to raise your hands. If you're watching online with us, raise your hands as well. How many of you, when you were growing up, had a rule in the house that you just hated? Absolutely hated. Come on, throw your hands up. I know that more than just two of you did, okay? Now, I see a couple hands from people. Post hands up, okay? Now, how many of you parents have a similar rule in your house now? Uh Uh-huh, okay, a few more, okay. When we get older, when we mature a little bit, when we have kids of our own, we start to understand that those rules had a purpose. They had a plan. There was a reason for them. It was for our safety. It was to help us grow up. It was for whatever reason. But now that we're a little bit older, now that we have kids of our own, we put those rules back into place because at the end of the day, they are a little important. I'll just be honest. I sometimes hate some of the things that God has asked of us. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's certainly not convenient. And I'm banking on one day being in heaven and understanding fully why God has asked us to do the things that he's asked us to do. Jesus summarized in the New Testament, he summarized the law that's expected of us. In Matthew 22, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Everything in the Ten Commandments that Moses spoke from God to Israel, everything in the 600 plus laws that God gave Israel later, and all of the prophets as they spoke to Israel, everything is summed up in these two laws to love God and to love people. And that sounds easy, right? Except when the rubber meets the road and there are things that God has asked of us that are complicated, they're difficult, they're inconvenient, we don't want to do them. That at the end of the day, sometimes loving God isn't that easy, and sometimes loving people isn't either. That loving people is is hard when you have that family member who's borrowed some money and never paid you back. Or you have that family member who always borrows your things and, and they seem to never come back quite the same. Or you get together as a family and there's always this argument, there's always this thing that comes up, there's always this disagreement. 
there's always this conflict, there's always this thing, and, 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 and sometimes loving people isn't that easy either. And we have this tendency in our lives to, to sometimes value either loving God or loving people. That this is what God's word says, and I'm not going to change it. I'm sorry if that offends you. I'm sorry if you, you don't like that. But this is what God's word says, and, and I'm just sticking to it. Or we have the tendency to say, well, they're a good person. I know their heart. They didn't mean anything by it. That, that their, their intentions were good, and, and I, they're a good person. So it, it's okay if we bend the rule just a little bit or we twist it just a little bit or we're, we're still obeying the law but just with the we have to explain how we're doing it right and we're not loving God and loving people at the same time in the way that Christ taught us to and it's difficult it's not easy I get it wrong I get it wrong a lot and I know that especially in this new role as, as senior minister, I've, step, I've stepped into it, that I have a few more eyes on me. And not just up here while I'm preaching and all you guys are looking at me, but I have a few eyes on me as I live my life and what I say on social media. And I realize that, that at the end of the day that, that people are watching me and I have to get it right 100% of the time. But I'm human. And I'm not going to. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say things that you don't like. I'm going to let you down. In fact, just earlier this week, I uh, was selling something on Facebook Marketplace, and I have a policy when I sell things online that I don't hold it for anybody. If you pay me for it, I'll, I'll hold it till you can come get it, but, but I'm not just going to hold it for you to come look at. And this guy messaged me and said, hey, can you hold it, and I'll come tomorrow to look at it. And I said, I'll, if it's still available, you can still come look at it, but I'm not going to hold it for anybody. To which he replied, you should have put that in your description. To which I replied, you don't have to buy it. <laughs> to which he replied, great attitude for a pastor. <laughs> Probably just not the best attitude for a Christian. And I realize that at the end of the day, we're all held to the same standard. We're all Christians. We are all part of the church. But because of this title of pastor and because of this title of senior minister that people look at me different and I could have explained it away it had been a long day it was late at night I was tired I was distracted I was working on other things and cleaning up the house and yada 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 but at the end of the day I didn't love people quite the way that God has called me to there's going to be times that I have to approach you one-on-one -on -one and apologize for things I've said and done there's likely going to come the day that I have to stand up here and apologize to everybody. I'm dreading that day. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to make mistakes. And so as we, as we kind of wrap up here, I have two asks of you. Ask number one is that you be patient with me. Be patient as I learn, as I grow, as... As I maybe say something that you don't like, be patient with me and just come talk to me about it. I can promise that 100% of what I say is to honor God and is never, never an attempt to intentionally attack or offend anybody. I might do it unaware, not knowing how it comes across, and so I just simply ask that you be patient with me. Come ask, come talk to me, come ask me about it. I promise that I will always hear you out, that I'll always listen to you. 
that I'll never ignore you. I ask that you listen as you're being patient, that you listen back to me so you can hear my heart behind it. That it wasn't malicious in any sense of the word. As staff, we we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place many times because 100% of what we do is to honor God. And I hope that comes through. I hope that you've seen that everything that we do is to honor God with everything we have. But, But besides that, we see two strong callings in Scripture of what this organization that gathers the church together is supposed to do. And on the one hand, we're supposed to be a place that gathers the church. That we gather believers, we gather Christians, and we worship God, we express love to God, we, we dive deep into the Word, we, we encourage and provide a, a resources and an environment to deepen your faith and, and, and to gather the church together. While on the other hand, we also exist to fulfill the great commission Jesus left us to go and make disciples. That those who do not believe in God, the unbelieving world can come in with whatever they bring and find hope and find peace and comfort and love. And they can find a place here with no judgment that they can just be here and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they can hear the word of God and hear how much God loves them. And I wouldn't say those two things are at odds, but often I've heard from so many that we're doing one or the other, or it seems like we don't have this balance quite right. So come talk to us about it. Come talk to me about it. Know that 100% of what we do all of the time is an attempt to honor God with everything we have. It means that we got to get up. It means that we do have this calling that Christ left us to make disciples. And so this is my second ask of you, is what Joshua said to his people in Joshua chapter 1, to get ready. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. This is the battle cry. This is the time that Joshua turns to the officers, he turns to the people and he says, get ready, get your provisions ready, because in three days we're going to pass over the Jordan and we're going to take this land that God has promised you. So I ask you to get ready. Because what I want this church to be, what I think God has called this church to be, is a place that makes disciples, is a place that serves him, is a place that we don't just come and we don't sit on our butts and just consume the word of God. But we go outside these walls and we serve our community and we preach the good news and we serve our community. This is what God has called us to do. Next week, we're diving into the book of James, and I cannot wait. And James is all about what this faith really means and and living out faith. And it's messy, and it's complicated, and it's difficult, and I cannot wait to dive straight into it. I ask you to get ready because we need you. If you're tuning in, even watching us online, we need you desperately. You are a part of our church. You're a part of our community. And we need you just as much as we need people who are sitting here. We need you to serve. We need you to get involved. We need you actively living out your faith. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 90 years or nine minutes. We need you. 
Uh, in our, uh, one of the life groups I'm a part of earlier this week, we're studying the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah takes place during the time where the walls around Jerusalem have fallen and, um, and God caused Nehemiah to go back and serve in a way to build the walls around Jerusalem back. He's called to go restore the walls and he goes and chapter 3 in Nehemiah is just about this person building this wall, part of the wall, and this person building this gate and this person building this section over here and this person over here. And it just tells about how the entire community worked together to rebuild the walls around the city. And we need you. The crazy part about it is even in Jeremiah, there's this family that's from like five or six towns over that comes to help. Online community, that's you, that we need you. There's another verse that talks about women building and, and putting back up the gates, uh, one particular gate. And during this time and period, it was very unusual for women to build, but that's to emphasize how much everybody is needed. How we are to work together to go make disciples, to go preach the gospel, to create an environment here that people feel welcome no matter where they come from, no matter their background, no matter anything. And we need you. We need you desperately. I can't do this on my own. That's not actually my job. It's my job as a Christian to be part of the body of Christ. And this organization exists to bring the body of Christ together to fulfill the great commission that God has given us to go make disciples. So I ask you to be patient with me, with me as we figure this out. And I ask you to get ready. How has God gifted you? How are you able to serve in our church and our community to fulfill the great commission? I'm so excited. I cannot wait to see what God does through you, through this church, in our community. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be one heck of a ride. Father God, thank you so much for the way that you have brought us into relationship with you, for the way that you have called us sons and daughters, for the way that you have been a great father to us. God, thank you for all the fathers who have gone before us, who have paved the way, who have led us into a deeper relationship with you. God, thank you. Thank you for your son and the relationship we can have with you because of his death and resurrection on the cross. God, I pray that as we move forward as an organization, that God, I, I pray that we can, we can have some patience as we're figuring out new leadership and, and a new, new dynamic. God, I pray and I ask you to help us to get ready. I have no clue what this will look like, but God, I'm excited to see how you are going to move through us, how you're going to move through your church, your people, to do something awesome. So God, help us to get ready. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.